Let me start with this. Um, you guys like origin stories? Right? Do we? Kind of, I guess, maybe. Origin stories. I love origin stories. There's so many good origin yeah. stories. Um, as an example, uh, you look at Nike. Phil Knight, the guy who really created Nike, he was selling shoes out the out of the back of his car at track meets. That's his origin. That's the, the origin of Nike or Ben and Jerry's. Did you know that Ben and Jerry's, that's the actual names of the guys who created the ice cream? They, I don't know if you guys know that or not. I mean, they might have just said, hey, let's just name it Ben and Jerry's. That's not us. We're Phil and George. I don't know. <laughs> but um, they purchased a $5 uh, at-home class, essentially, on how to make ice cream. For five bucks, they learned how to make ice cream, and now look at the company. It's insane what they did. You look at the story of uh, the Flaming Hot Cheeto. Um, I've been caught up on that story because I, I watched the movie a few weeks ago on Disney+. Plus. Uh, I thought that was an incredible story, but it's amazing how this snack food was um, invented, created by a janitor who wanted to have snack foods for his Mexican culture. How awesome is that? That's the origin of the Flaming Hot Cheeto, which I have no clue why they made like Flaming Hot Mountain Dew. And they, I don't know if you knew that, but like Pepsi company, they Pepsi, Frito-Lay is owned by Pepsi. They just made like Flaming Hot everything. They went way too far. Um, also another one I thought about was, uh, Hugh Jackman, the actor, <laughs> Hugh Jackman. Okay. We got a fan. Um, uh, did you know that he was a PE teacher? That's actually what he did before he went into acting. He was a teacher. Um, I even read something recently of when he ran into a former student of his that is now a reporter. Um, and he remembered the kid and he's like, how, how are your grades doing? what do you? What are you doing with your life? I remember when you were a punk kid in my gym class. Um, but origin stories, even for you, every one of you has an origin. Every one of you has a past, has a history, has an ancestry. Um, like this weekend, I was at a getaway, a marriage getaway with Liz. And we were first asked, the very first thing they asked us was, what attracted you to your wife? I'm not going to tell you what I really thought. I'll give you the G version. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it made me think, like, what attracted me to her? Like, why did I gravitate towards her? Was it physical? Was it personality? Was it something she said? So they, it made me think of the origin of us, the origin of our marriage, the origin of our relationship. And it even made me think of when she threw me off of a wall when, uh, when I wanted a, our first kiss. And she didn't, she wasn't ready, I guess. So she ripped me off a wall. Um, how we got engaged, how it's been going for the past 15 years in our marriage, there's an origin to all of that. And then also along with that weekend, this past weekend, this getaway, it was asking us like, what do you hope or what did you hope were going to be relationship? What did you dream about? Was it just travel? Was it having a family? Was it um, making a lot of money? Was it hiking? Was it just watching movies and having some popcorn on the couch? Like, what were the things that you had? And for me, I circled fun. Like, that's what I dreamed about with somebody that I was going to have as a spouse. I just wanted to have fun and enjoy life with that individual. It was less about something specific like hiking and travel. Fun. 
and that that goes into it. Travel goes into all of that that origin of who we are, and all of you have a story. It's an incredible story. And you might be like, well, I have a boring story. Nothing has ever happened in my life. That is not true. I can guarantee there's some phenomenal things that would inspire me and captivate me in every single one of your stories, regardless of how bland you might assume it is. Like, there's a lot of people in the church that that assume, oh, well, I didn't go into drugs or I didn't have a drinking problem or I didn't, I didn't have sex like crazy. Um, I'm just a boring Christian, so I don't have a testimony. I don't have a story to tell people. That is untrue. Everybody's got a story. My brother is a straight-edge guy. He always has been. He slept with a Bible under his pillow all through high school. He never tried a drop of alcohol. He was very clean-cut. And I am inspired by him. It admi- like I admire that about him, that he was able to have self-control and hold back from the things that, that, that high school wanted to tear, tear him up with. I mean, you, you have a lot more in your story that, that might be about beating the odds or, or something that you had to overcome or something that's still difficult to this day, as well as you have some things in your origin story that are phenomenal and exciting and incredible and amazing. And you have a birth date, right? You have a moment in time that you were born. For me, is May of 1983. I'm a true 90s kid for the most part. I don't really remember the 80s. People who try to carry on with the 90s now, they have no clue what the 90s were. If you lived in the 90s, you understand the 90s. But have you ever thought your origin story goes farther than your birth date? Well, you could say, well, it's my parents, right? Well, when did my parents get together? And when did they choose to have me? And, and how did they meet? And where did they come from? And then your origin story goes farther than that. It might be, well, what about my grandparents and my great-grandparents and my great-great-grandparents? Were they Native American and always lived here? Did they come on the, the ships with the pilgrims? Did they come to Ellis Island or, or all of these other places? Um, how did they immigrate to America? Like, we have all of these origin origin pieces to our past and a lot of that origin tells me who you are who i am what i'm about and then also your origin story can actually tell you a little bit about the future i don't know if you know that as an example and this is not a great example and and i i pray that that all of you don't have this but if you have abandonment in your past Your future might be already visible by somebody. If you tell them that story of your abandonment, you might automatically look forward and I might automatically look forward and say, well, if you had abandonment in your past, then everything that you say, if you're uh, vulnerable and transparent, you might assume I might abandon you. And you might not trust as much because of abandonment. And you might not want to get close to people and you might not want to have friends and you might struggle with relationships because of your origin. Or maybe everything was perfect. Maybe your parents were and maybe you, you lived in, in the middle class or upper class, whatever it is, and, and everything was piece of cake. Well, I might look to ahead and say, well, if you didn't have a struggle in your past, I pray that you are aware and cautious that if something happens, 
you have the right people around you when you do crash. Because everybody has a crash. Everybody has a moment of struggle. Everybody has difficulty in their, their story. And if you didn't have it at the beginning, you might have it in the middle, have it at the end. Your origin story tells a lot about what possibly come your way. I don't think your origin story and my, my origin starts with a birth date. I don't even think it starts with your parents. I don't even think it starts with your grandparents or your great-grandparents. I believe that all of our origin story ends up in one specific place at the beginning of time. Have you ever thought about that? Like your origin and my origin is exactly the same in one specific moment. And it's found in the book of Genesis. Ever thought about that? How amazing that is that every single one of us began in one moment right there. And actually, it didn't even really begin there. It began in a thought and a plan and a will and a desire inside of the mind of God, the creator of everything. It started there. That's our origin. And so, what we are going to do for the rest of the summer, we are going to look at this book called Genesis. We are going to start with the origin of time, the origin of us, the origin of humanity, and the origin of civilization. We're going to chug through it. We're going to look at different points and different people and say, how does this relate to us? What does this have to do with us? So if you have a Bible, go to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 1. Chapter 1. Because your origin story and my origin story, it is valuable. It is, it is so good to look back and say, where did I come from? How did I, uh, how did I get here? Where am I going? Who am I? All these questions arise. But, but I want to first, uh, first, before we read it, I know it's up there already, but I want to give you some context. I want to give you some background, some story, uh, some pieces that might help you discover a little bit more of what is going on at the beginning of time. Because a lot of us, um, we look at the beginning of time and it's more of an argument between evolution and creation. That's usually what everybody talks about when we talk about the beginning of time. Like, are you an evolutionist or are you a creationist? What one are you and, and where is this all uh, going and all that. And then we argue, like, are we a flat earther or whatever? And then we argue, like, how old is the earth? Like, is it millions and billions or is it thousands or whatever? Like, that's the only thing people talk about when it comes to the beginning of time. A lot of people want to only talk about now, and a lot of people only want to talk about the future. It reminds me of when I was a teenager and I wanted to turn 13. Let, or when I was 12, before I was a teenager, I wanted to turn 13 because 13, you felt like, okay, this is great. My life is going somewhere. And then we rushed to get to 16. I want to get to 16. I want to be able to drive. I want to be uh, reckless with my driving. I want to be able to roll down the window and give just a nasty look to somebody. I don't know what. I don't know. Or run out of gas on the road. Or nowadays, we're getting to running out of electricity in my car. So weird to think about. See how far it can go. Um, and then you, you just rush to get to 18. I want to be 18. I want to be seen as an adult. I want to be able to, uh, I don't know, some people were like, I want to be able to smoke cigarette. 
I want to be able to uh, gamble. I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to do that. And then we rush to 21. And then we're like, I want to be able to drink. And I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to do that. I want to, whatever. And then you rush to like, what's the next thing? I want to rush to 25 because 25 is when my insurance drops lower. That's what you start thinking about as an adult. Like, when does my insurance get better and cheaper? And when can I rent a car? Because, like, it used to be Enterprise was the only one that would rent younger than 25. Now all car rentals, it doesn't matter. They just want to rent them. 25. And then what do you look forward to after 25? I don't really know. Senior discounts. Senior discounts. I want that free cup of coffee and that discount golf and um, that free ice cream cone if McDonald's ever has their machines working. <laughs> Story of our lives, right? Machines are always broken. Uh, the feds are looking into it, I heard. FBI. But we're always looking to what the next step is and the next step is and the next step is. I mean, you think about culturally and, and in our society, we are only, in a, as a culture, we, we want to kind of like shun and, and shove away our past and our origin and our history because we think it's crazy and it's racist and, and it's uh, all this mess, right? We just want to look to the future. Well, if we just keep running to what's ahead, we will always fall. You got to look back. You got to learn from it. You got to grow from it. You got to understand what happened. I, I could even think about my, and I, I might say, well, man, why am I struggling with this as a parent? Maybe it would be healthy to look at how my parents parent me, parented me. If I knew how they parented me and how my grandparents parented them, well, then maybe I can learn how I act as a parent. Why do I always think that I need to go for work? And why do I always think that I need to be the, the main provider all the time? Because that's what I learned from my parents. My dad was the one who always, always chugged and chugged and chugged and chugged and always had to be the one to provide. It was never my mom. It was my dad. It was all work-related. Same with my grandparents, work-related. So I have the tendency to just want to go chase work and always do things. And always, like, even when I'm home, I get antsy and I want to, like, do things, like build something or create something or whatever instead of just enjoying my family at times. I got to learn and educate myself on the past. And so you have this book, Genesis, the first book of the Bible. This is a book that shows us the authority and the power and the presence of God in our story. Genesis, actually, what, what it means is these are the generations of. Essentially, that's what Genesis means. These are the generations of. And there's three kind of pieces to this generation. You have the, the generation, the generating of creation where it starts and then you have a degeneration which is the fall of man and then you have a regeneration of of god coming and and creating a, a people of his own through abraham and his descendants the generation of why why is that why it's why is it called that 
Who called it that? Well, it's Moses. I don't know if you ever knew that Moses was the one who wrote Genesis. The one who we know of as the prince of Egypt. The one who helped the Israelites get out of Egypt, out of slavery. Like God used him to bring the people out. And, and they walked through the wilderness and the desert. And they got to the promised land. But they disobeyed God. They didn't go in and conquer like God called them to. And then they wandered the desert for 40 years. That Moses led this massive millions of people. Well, what, but why? why? Why did he write this book and the four other books after it? The first five books of the Bible were written by Moses. Why did God call him? Well, you got to know, when they disobeyed God the first time, the Israelites, God, as a punishment, said, everyone above the age of 21, you are going to die in the wilderness over this 40-year period. And your children are going to be, uh, they were going to raise up, they're going to rise up. And they're going to now lead the new group of Israelites into the promised land. Well, but these are kids at the time. And, and these kids, they don't really remember all that God did with Egypt. They didn't understand all the things that God did with Egypt. They didn't see his power as much as their parents did. So Moses, God was like, Moses, I, it's time. These kids need to know who their parents are, our parent. They need to know. You need to educate them. You need to tell them our story, where they came from, why they are Israelites, why are they Hebrews. They need to be sat down and instructed what God desires of them. That's why he writes it. He wants them to know, hey, you know what? You're bigger than just a random group of people wandering the wilderness. Your history has meaning and purpose and inspiration. Your, your whole purpose is going to bring about the Messiah and the glory of God and the authority and the power of God is going to be displayed through you. And so Moses, by the way, Moses is not going to go into the promised land. There's a point where even though he is a man of God who saw God visibly, he actually disobeyed God when it had to do with the water uh, coming out of the rock and he hit the rock, and God didn't tell him to hit the rock, and he did it, and God's like, well, you disobeyed me, and you're not going to be the one who leads my people into the promised land. And there's more to that, and we can go over that later, but the point is that Moses was called to instruct these people as an earthly father so that they would be prepared to go into a wicked civilization and a wicked uh, country. Because if they didn't know their history, like I said, if they didn't know what to expect and who God was, what was going to happen when they go to a place that has a culture and a and false religions and craziness? What would have happened? They would have given in to every temptation known to man. And they actually did for the most part. But it would have been a whole lot worse. And they were without excuse because they knew what right and wrong. And so most Calls all the kids, calls all the people. I, I kind of picture it like either two pieces, kind of like a, a teacher in a classroom that calls all the kids to story time on the rug, the carpet, like in preschool. Like I picture this scene or, or in a living room or a bedroom, like as a parent, when you want to bust out and tell your kids a story, that's what he's doing. He's calling them all to him and he's saying, hey, guys, take a seat on the floor. I'm going to tell you a story because that, that's what Moses did. He wrote incredible word pictures of all creation and all of what God wanted to do and what God had done. So he calls them all. He says, guys, 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 let me tell you 
where you come from. Let me tell you your history, your origin. Look at verse 1. Verse 1, simple verse, powerful verse. Starts with, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Here's just so funny. Does that say in the beginning, Joe? In the beginning, Kate? In the beginning, Ben? In the beginning, Mikey? I, just, I don't know. In the beginning, Nate? In the beginning, does it name any of us? No, does it? That's interesting. It doesn't say any of our names, does it? And that, to me, is laughable because immediately Moses is telling them the fact that in the beginning, God, he is authority, he is power, he is almighty, he is the creator, it is God. It is not about me. I so want it to be about me. I so want it to be about me. In my ways, I want to say, when I was born, this is what happened. And when I was born, this is what the world looked like. And when I was born, this is what I was about. And if you look at every false religion out there, and I remember taking classes in college, classes, mythology classes, if you look, all of them all centered around a person, a human and God came into the picture, well, not our God, but a God of some kind came into the picture later on, was weaved in. And that one person always had to do with sex for some reason. In every mythology or every world religion, some reason, it always began with a human being having sex with something of some kind, and humanity was born. It tells you that that's always on the brain of guys, usually. <laughs> Guys probably wrote all of those false religions. But if you look at this, no, he's like, the, your origin? The Bible begins with this one statement, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Can I truly skip this line and go to the rest of the Bible? Can I truly have an understanding and a growing, and a desire, and a knowledge, and a want, and can I just read everything else without focusing on this one verse? You can't. You can't go anywhere until this verse is solved in your life. You can't. You, well, you might say, well, uh, I believe in matter, and chance, and a big bang, well, good luck with that one. Because if that's the belief, then you can't believe in Jesus Christ. You, you can't. You can't be about salvation, and you can't be about the things of God, and you can't be about heaven and eternity. You can't be about anything if the thought is that we just randomly have to show up on this planet through a molecule or a, molecule or a blob or a rock and a bang and you name it. You can't. I mean, you must accept God 
as the source of all. You, you have to. That's what this is, is getting us to, to look at and to understand. It demands a response. Have you ever read a book that, that pretty much starts off the book as saying, um, like, do you want to continue on? If you continue on, this is what you'll have to do. And this is what I'm asking you, asking you to commit to. I've read books like that. And I always question, like, well, can I know what the rest of the book is before I commit to it? No, you, you can't. Everything is set up in this manner, and, and that's what Moses is trying to communicate to the Israelites, the Hebrews. He's saying, guys, you have to understand God was in the beginning, and God created it all. You have to first understand this one verse before we talk about anything of obedience and anything of love and anything of grace and mercy. You first have to understand this. And there's two, there's a couple observations I want to give you about this. That because this verse is split into two pieces. You have in the beginning God, and then you have created the heavens and the earth. Two parts to this verse. Let's tackle in the beginning God. In the beginning God. <clears throat> oh wow. That's how powerful it is. <clears throat> you have to see God as eternal. You have to. That, that's what he's saying. God is eternal. God is permanent. God has always been. God is self-existent. You look at Psalm verse 2. He says, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world. Who brought forth all? You, God. God did. From beginning to end, our God. Stating the fact that God is self-existent. God has always been. He has always been, always is at the moment, and always will be God. I, I sometimes get the question of, well, God has to have a beginning. When did God, who created God is the question I always sometimes get. Who created God? And adults have a very difficult time understanding or having faith and belief that no one created God. God always has existed. Now, kids, it's easy. They're, they're quick to say, okay, great. And they move on. But adults, we have this idea in us, this scientific idea, this mindset that there has to be a beginning. Has to be. Everything, humanity, uh, I, I have a beginning. I have a birth date. And my parents have a beginning. And the Apple phone, the iPhone has a beginning. And the Microsoft computer has a beginning. And the television has a beginning. Toilets have a beginning. Our country has a beginning. God is self-existent, and we first have to grasp the fact that he has been and always will be. And what I love about that, too, I, I think that's comforting, to be honest, that no one created God. Because if God was created by somebody else or something else, then that means maybe God wouldn't be all-powerful, all-knowing, all, all wise, you name it. God would not be who he is in all authority and power. He would be weak. He would be flawed if he was created by another. But because he's not created by anything else or anyone else, he is perfect in all glory and majesty. What has a beginning is this earth. This earth, you, me, everybody, we all have a beginning, but not God. It was God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
the three amigos hanging out. It's them. And I love the fact, too, what is comforting to me is that he was thinking about us. He doesn't need us, but out of his immense love and grace and mercy, he says, I want to begin a world where these people can be my children. And I can love them and they can love me. I want to have them in my house. I want to bless them. I want to enjoy their company. I want to go on adventures with them. It's all the things that we want with our children or all the things that we want with, with uh, somebody we're in relationship with, uh, friends, spouses, whatever, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever it is you're in relationship with, we all want to be uh, blessed by them and have fun with them and adventures with them and always have them around. Well, part of that is a selfish desire on our part. But God in his great love says, I want people, I want family. I want to love them. And he thought, I don't know how long, I bet you it was millions of years he's been planning this and, and thinking about this before he ever created the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The second observation is seeing God as the creator of everything. The creator of everything. Everything, um, it's the universe. He created the universe. He created the planets. He created the solar systems. He created the stars. He created earth, the trees, the land, everything. It says in Hebrews, <clears throat> I feel like my voice has gone up. Verse 3, Hebrews 11. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. That what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. At his command. Now, it says that God spoke everything into existence. But what's so amazing about God, he didn't even have to speak it. He could think it. He'd be like, tree, boom. Land, boom. Person, boom. Like, it's amazing. How incredible creation is. How powerful. God's eternal power speaking. What evidence do we see of the hand of God? Our intelligent creator in this very delicate ecosystem and the balance of, of how everything is held together is phenomenal. <clears throat> Even for the fact that we need oxygen to survive which come from plants. But for plants to survive, they need carbon dioxide from us. It's this trade-off that happens, this balance that happens. That, that's, that's evidence to me. Or you've heard people talk about um, if we were one degree closer to the sun, it would burn up. One degree farther from the sun, we would freeze. Well, it even goes as far as to say if we were just a couple miles bigger than um, what it would be that the atmosphere would be so thin that we would freeze. And if it was a couple miles smaller, the, the atmosphere might be too thick and, and we would burn up. Like just all of that is crazy to me. I might have gotten that dyslexic there for a moment, but you know what I'm talking about. Or for the fact that every blade of grass is different. Every hair on your head is different. Which that one is phenomenal to me to think that every piece of hair is different. And you get haircuts. So you're cutting off all the unique hairs. And then more unique hairs show up. Unless you're bald. 
no hair shows up. But if you are very furry of an individual, new hairs show up. Every cloud is different. Every day is different. There is no such thing as a same day. It's impossible. Every line on a finger, the fingerprints are different. The human body, how it's created, is massive evidence of a creator, an intelligent creator. And it would be impossible to say that it just happened by chance and matter. Impossible. Romans 1, verse 20 actually says, For his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his lasting power, his great power, and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. People, when people get to heaven, or uh, when they get to the end of their life and they go to judgment with God, when they're standing in front of God, they can't say, I didn't know you, you existed. He's saying in this verse, how can you not see that God exists? How can you visibly perceive? How can you not understand Everything that you see is the creation of an intelligent designer, a creator, an artist, an almighty powerful God. That's incredible, isn't it? We are without excuse. And you might say, well, what about the tribes and the, the, the places that the Bible hasn't been interpreted and they haven't been in human contact with the the known world, right? The, the modern world. What about those people? They are still without excuse. Somehow I guarantee God is still communicating to them and we don't understand it, but God is still reaching them in some way. How do we know that the God that they are following isn't the same God, but God is interpreting it into their own language and their own perspective that is different than us. He is still loving and gracious and merciful, and showing who he is just as much as to us in the modern world. To be honest, I'm, I would be a little bit jealous of those people because the modern world lines up with so much junk and pictures and images and video. We are so clogged up in here. We need to come in and just unclog the mess to see the beauty of God. And I would love to detach from the modern world. I would love to just break away from phone and TV and electronics, and my kids would hate my guts if I said that. But it's the truth. Even when I go on vacation, I can't help but know, well, what's going on, on the, in the news? Or when you talk to somebody when you haven't looked at the news lately, they're like, didn't you know? Oh, my gosh. you got to go to the news. Well, which news are we talking about? CNN, Fox? Well, who's saying what? Is it about the Kremlin? Or what? What is it about? Well, no, it's about the submersible sub that they couldn't find. Below. You know, I don't know if you read the news, but. Man, to unclog the brain, we would see clearly the beauty of God so much better. And I think we would enjoy it a whole lot more. Even when we go on vacation, we clutter our minds up with stuff and our pockets full of souvenirs. 
and, and, and we're always searching and always looking and always wanting to capture in these moments to put on social media, oh, look at us at the beach, look at us in the forest, look at us on this mountain, look at us in the hospital, whatever it is. But are we really sitting down and stopping just to enjoy the creation of God? Just to say, you know what? I'm not going to take a single picture on this vacation, or I might take one, but it's going to be for my family and I. On my phone, it's never going anywhere else. But I don't like taking pictures on vacations because when I do that, I'm not enjoying the moment with my kids. My kids need me in the moment. They care less about my phone. But the creation, there's an amazing, intelligent creator. And when you see all this, when you look at verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That demands a response because he is declaring that he is God, that he has authority, he has power, he is almighty, he is the one who controls all. Isn't that hard to swallow, actually? He's the one in control. Well, I want to be in control. He's the one in control. And I actually love that. It's freeing, but it demands a response, doesn't it? And so how are we going to respond? Matter, chance, big bang, science, whatever you want to call it. That is what some will believe, that that's how the world, our origin story begins. And if that were true, you would never need to submit. You would never need to repent of anything you did wrong. You'd never have to obey. You do whatever you want to do, boo. Go right ahead. You be you. That's essentially, if that's what you believe, you can't believe anything else of the Bible. You can't. You can't declare that Jesus is Lord and not believe that he was at the beginning and created all. He is one and one alone. I am. The great I am. He is one. Or, you have to believe. That he is God Almighty who created everything. And if that is true, and if we are going to believe his loving, awesome power and might, then we can't ignore the God of all creation. We must be compelled to care about him. We must be compelled to go to him and to serve him and to repent of our messed up ways and to do it his way and to do it the right way, the truthful way, which is the, in the word of God. That's how Genesis starts. Our origin starts. This idea that he was at the beginning. He is almighty. He has authority. He has power. And that he created all. Every last thing. And every one of us has a response. How are we going to respond to his majesty, the creator of all? So, that's the sermon, but I wanted to share with you a little bit more. Like I said, everything has an origin story. Everything is created, and everything is for the purpose of God. Just like this church. This church has an origin. There's a purpose of this church. There's a, there's a purpose of this place. And not necessarily this place. And yes, we got to this place. And there's a history to being in this school. 
But there's an origin and a, a purpose for the people of God in this place. God has a purpose for you. God has gifts and talents and passions that he's placed in you. And maybe you haven't tapped into it. Maybe you haven't visibly seen it. Or maybe you're just getting a taste of it and you don't know where to go with it. And only God can direct that. Only God knows what he's calling you to do. And maybe it's a moment where in your story, you're not quite there to be unleashed and God is still prepping you and preparing you and um, building you and educating you in how to do things. I think that um, when I think about the generations growing up now, the teenagers, um, Doherty, I'm not saying all, I'm not labeling all, okay? But there's a big majority of, like even college students, that have this mindset now that they don't need to start at the bottom. They want to immediately be the CEO of the company. And, and if you don't make me the CEO of your company, I'm going to start my own, is the mindset. And a great example of this is, is, uh, is like Bitcoin. Ba like Bitcoin mining and banks and stuff like that. Brokers. How a lot of them were young techies who didn't start in finance, didn't have financial advising mindset and skill and education. They didn't know banking. And you've seen in the news in the past several years, the struggle and the fallout and the difficulty with this digital coin. Because they thought, oh, I can automatically start my company. I can make millions. Or people have the mindset, you know what? I can be a graphic designer. I can get all the programs for super cheap now, and I don't need to go to school for that, and I don't need to be educated in that. I can create amazing graphics. And you know what? Forget making it myself. I'm going to use ChatGPT or any AI system to create the for me, and I can make millions. We all know there's value in starting in the bottom. There's value to being in the mailroom, to being a grunt worker, to pick up a mop, to pick up a broom, to listen, and to be at the feet of another. That's what we're called to do with Jesus Christ. We're called to be at his feet. You have Mary and Martha. One was in the kitchen uh, feeling like she just had to work and work and work and work and do and do and do, and Mary's at the feet of Christ. She is learning. She is collecting. She's gathering. She's soaking everything of him. I could guarantee that in that moment, that was so valuable and rich for her and her soul and her spirit and her heart that she was more unleashed after that moment to do great things than Martha was who didn't take the time but felt like she could immediately just do. And where am I going with all this? Because like I said, this place is by God. There's an origin story to this church. And there's a, a heart for people to be known by God, to be recognized, to belong, to be loved by God. Now, yes, God, theologically, yes, God recognizes and loves and, and has grace and mercy for people. But he's asking for us to come into a known relationship, which for us to give that back, to submit to him salvation as well as 
there's an origin and a purpose for us to be known in community. A lot of us recognize this place as huge, not small, but huge. Why? Because I'm recognized here. It's a big deal to me to be here because people know my name. People know my story. People know my kids. People care about me. They don't have an agenda of lights and smoke and mirrors and all these things, and it's not manipulating. It's that I can come into a place where there's smiles. I'm known in community with others. How special that is. And there's an origin and an amazing thing doing in this place. Like automatically, there have been like, multiple wins and, and praise reports and God answering prayers like crazy, like never before. Lately, with people that say they're a part of our church. Like I posted recently, somebody personally from the East Valley that had never stepped foot in this place gave us a check for 40 grand. And in the memo, it said, build that church. They had no clue that we're struggling with location. But they write a check. Or for an individual that, that goes in for, for back pain to the hospital, thinking he's going to have to have back surgery from his muscles and his spine compressing on a, a nerve that was causing problems with his bowels, they detect a tumor on his kidney. And that's a praise report because he didn't have to have back surgery or spine surgery, but it was an early detection to where now that tumor is eradicated in the system. He's praising God because it was an early detection. He goes in for one thing and out goes another. There's stories like that happening left and right. Even for a family that's going back to Iowa recently, the mom of this family was like, you know what? The biggest thing I'm going to miss is these people because there I was unknown. Here, people know me. They recognize me. They don't just say hi. They actually care to talk to me. And why am I saying all of this? Because in Romans, it says, God works for the good of those who love him, that are called by his purpose. God works for their good. Not, I'm not saying God's going to hook us up with millions of dollars and houses and mansions and cars. I'm not saying that. But God has a purpose and a work here that is beyond anything we can comprehend. And our origin story started in this, started in my house, then moved to the school. And I want to tell you, this is the last weekend in this school. We're not going to be in the school after today. And that took a lot of prayer, a lot of thought for months. Why? Well, if you've noticed, we've struggled with AC problems in this school. They want to raise the rent. They create, I know a lot of you don't see it, but there's a lot of difficulty behind the scenes with the school district. And it's not running but I don't think this was ever our permanent home, our permanent residence. I think this was more of a launching pad for us. And we've been here for a year and a half. And God is moving us out of this school. Now your question automatically, great, I lost my church and I have no clue where you're going next. Well, join the club, get in, in the back seat because I have no clue either. I have no clue. 
But here's what I do know. We have a faithful, amazing God who created every single one of us, who has us in his hands, and he has called our church to make an impact for generations and generations and generations and generations in this place. I do believe that one day we will be bigger, but not for the purpose of being big. I could less about the purpose of being big. I could care less about the purpose of numbers. What I care about is souls coming to know Jesus Christ, people being discipled by Jesus Christ, people being known by God. I even have the mindset, and this is a big dream for me, by the way, we ever get to 700, I want to take half of those people and start another church with them. I don't want to get over 700. That's like a sweet spot. I've been in ministry long enough. When you get above 1,000, it becomes a machine a lot of the time. Systems and processes. And those are good things. There's value. There can be value to those. But I've been there in thousands, and people become projects, not people. You're filled with meetings, and people come to you, I have, I have this problem, or I'd love to talk. Well, what's your problem? Tell me. Here's door A, B, or C. Take it. Okay, good. Next. That's not what I want. 700 is a healthy place because you're, you're financially healthy as a church, and you're numerically healthy to disciple people. And what better way to launch more churches? We're called to multiply. We're called to go out. The Great Commission is to go and to make more disciples. That's what we're called to do. Have you ever seen a church just say, hey, we're 700. Hey, 300 of you, 350, can you now leave and go start another church? And we're going to finance it, and we're going to uh, find a pastor to preach, and it's not going to be on a screen. You're going to have a physical pastor, and you're going to have a physical staff, and it is going to be incredible. We're going to help you to find a place have you ever heard of that? That's multiplication. I want to empower people to do this ministry. I don't want to be the guy. I want to work myself out of a job. Can I do that? Can I work myself out of a job? And I want all of you to be empowered to reach the lost, to reach the hurting, to reach the broken, as well as to reach the mature Christian too that might not have a home. And this isn't the stopping. And I say all this, like I said, it's the last uh, week in this school. And I'm excited for the adventure. And I don't know. Next week, we could have another place. On Sunday, it was a big leap of faith for me not to sign the contract that was due uh, this week. We had to sign contracts for the school. That's why it's the last Sunday, because June 1st is the start of a new contract year for the school district. And God really said, don't sign it, which is a huge leap of faith, <laughs> trust me. So here's the plan. We could find a commercial property. Great. Or there's an opportunity, maybe we go to the movie theater. Great. But that would be temporary still. Or next Sunday might just be church in my house. And if you don't want to come, my to come to my house, you can watch it online. It's a weekend of online church. Or do community in my house with my family and I. Or 
we might go to a park and uh, have heat strokes. <laughs> I'm going to buy everybody a personal misting fan. Here's your gift. You're new. Here's 10. <laughs> but I know you guys are brand new in the back. You're learning about all this. I, we're moving already. I'll tell you where I'm coming up. But, but I'm excited to see. We started in this place a year ago with about 15 people, 20 people. And we keep growing. And this isn't everybody because it's summer vacation too. So I have this on the screen. If you put that up there, please. I want to keep you in the loop. I want to I get your contact so I can keep you in the loop. Because I don't know what we're doing next Sunday. And you might want to know, well, which place are we going to be? Scan that QR code. Give me your name, number, email. And I will communicate throughout the week where we'll be next Sunday. So please, if I don't have your contact information yet, please do that for me. That helps out a lot. Um, or you can fill out one of the cards on the round tables. If you don't uh, have a phone or know how to work, uh, the camera app and the QR code scanning, ask your child. Um, it works better on an iPhone. Get an iPhone. <laughs> or you might like a droid, I don't know. But does all that make sense of what I'm saying? I hope it does. I'm excited to see where God is going to take us, and I'm not giving up. I believe a breakthrough, an amazing thing is about to happen. And God is going to do amazing things. As well as, if you'd like to be a process of wherever we go, we need more years. I don't know what it looks like, where we'll be. But we have a very small team that are working their butts off and doing amazing jobs at what they do. But they also need breaks. <laughs> they need a Sunday to be in here and enjoy church just like all of us. So please... Fill out one of the cards that say get involved back there. Um, or talk to me or somebody that has a known shirt on. Except for Enrique. He has a sun shirt on. He's repping the heat. Like he just felt, I, why did, like, it's hot. So you're like, I'm going to get a shirt about the sun. There you go. Um, let me pray. Let me pray. As well as I want to I send us out with one worship, another worship song. So after I pray, we're going to have another worship Okay, God, um, you know exactly where we're going. You know what's happening. You know what we're doing. And we're along for the ride. Take away our worry. Take away our anxiety, our insecurity, our, our struggle. But let us see this as an amazing, amazing opportunity to go where you lead. We're the Israelites in the desert at the moment. We're the Hebrews just waiting for the bread to fall down and the quail to fall down and your blessing to fall down. It's not by chance that all of a sudden that you provided thousands of dollars from somebody in the East Valley. It's not by chance that you've grown this church up to this point. It's not by chance that you're moving us out of this place. And I believe if we stayed in this place, we would just get comfortable here. I don't want to be comfortable. I want to do the work of God. I want to be passionate for people. You call us to give and to be sacrificed. Show us where that next location is, wherever it may be. I know 
calling us to stay online. You're not calling us to go online. You're calling us to be a church together, a family, a body coming together with your spirit in the middle. And God, thank you for your your story, your origin story. Thank you that it started with you in the beginning, that it's not just uh, ambiguous, that it's not just uh, out there, it's not just a chance or a, a luck thing, that you, our beautiful Father and Creator, started everything. How cool is that? And we can have a relationship with you when we give you our lives to your Son, Jesus. I pray all of us have, I pray we all have given our lives to you. Because in that moment, then we can have relationship with you, Father. And if there are people here that have not given you their life, let them do that. Let them have a conversation with you saying, Lord, I repent of my ways. I'm going to give up my own thoughts. I'm going to give up my own desires. I'm going to give up my selfishness. And I want to serve you. I believe in you, God. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe in you. And I ask that you take my life. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Do whatever you want with me. Let me be in your family. I pray they pray that prayer. Those say those words to you and mean it in their heart. And thank you that you created all, that you made all, and you made it beautiful. You say that you made it very good, and I believe that to be true. There's no person in here or on, on the whole planet that is a mistake. No one is a mistake. You made them. You made them beautiful. You made them uh, glorious with a soul that you desire to come back in relationship with you. If anybody ever feels like they're a mistake, take those thoughts out of their minds. Protect them from those, those uh, depressing thoughts. Please, God. Thank you that you're the creator of all. In your name we pray. Amen.